Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I am your host, Robert Brining. Um, my co-host this evening is Jeremy Dunn, who will be calling into the show shortly. Um, I want to welcome you all for tuning in, and thank you um, for tuning in and hanging out with us for this hour. Uh, the one thing I did want to mention um, as I'm waiting for Jeremy to call into the show is I wanted to uh, let you all um, know that last week we were supposed to have Kimberly Locke on, and somehow there was a communication uh, with the phone number, so I accidentally somehow sent her the wrong phone number off by a digit, so she was um, calling the wrong number, so she called in the last like three minutes of the show, and we're going to reschedule her, and she's going to come back on, so you can, um, we can talk with her at that point uh, in the future, so I'll be able to, to talk about that, so go ahead, let me uh, welcome Jeremy Dunn. Jeremy, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Sorry I'm late. Good. Oh, not a problem. Um, do I sound Okay. What's that? Do I sound okay? You sound fine. Okay, I'm just making sure because I have a new headpiece on, so I just want to make sure it's coming across okay. You have a new headpiece on? Yeah. I got like a Britney Spears thing going on over here. You ha- you have a headpiece on. <laughs> yeah. So I said a headpiece. Like a tiara or feathers and stuff? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> so how are you? Happy Memorial Day, right? Happy Memorial Day tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. So how you been? I have been just peachy. Oh, I, although we have to talk about the schedule thing. <clears throat> I can never remember when I'm here. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll figure all that out later. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. You and I need to talk offline, mister. Yeah, well, a lot of June, uh, Jack isn't available, so, you know, you'll be uh, around for oh. a lot of June. If that's did, did you say June or Jews? June. <laughs> okay, June. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. So, anyway, we have a great guest on tonight, and um, I'm excited to have him on. His name is Lauren, and he was uh, recently uh, participated in the Logos HIV and Me segment. Um, and it was very uh, – his video, did you watch it, Jeremy? I haven't seen it yet. Sorry, Lauren. Oh, my God. You're fired. Very, very touching. <laughs> You like don't very, even very pay touching. me, let alone fire me. <laughs> you can't but, um, fire no, me. It's so um, so touching, so down to earth, so real, the way that he comes across with his, uh, his story and talking about certain things. And he's going to be on in a little bit, but I did want to mention... Can I just tell you that he's really yeah. cute? There you go. Don't <laughs> he is. He's, he's just, like, a really adorable. And, and Lauren, if you're listening to this, um, you're kind of hot. So, <laughs> yeah, he's listening. He's on hold it. still. That, well, that's okay because I have to get that out um, <laughs> because he's like hot. So anyway, I'm gonna leave that alone and let the other people. Listen. <laughs> that's funny. So, um, <laughs> uh, the one thing I did want to mention um, is that uh, this uh, June coming up uh, is uh, Pride Month, and they're doing a, a whole bunch of cool things on the body. Um, all the bloggers are going to be blogging about Pride, so uh, people can check that out. They should be going up, I believe, on Tuesday. Um, I have a blog going up. And um, it's already posted on Pause I Am. But they're doing this um, project where you send in a photo of yourself holding up a sign that says, Pride means, and then you fill in the blank. Okay. And 
you know, they're looking for people to send in photos. So, you know, go to thebody.com, and it's on the left-hand side, and you can, you know, you don't have to show your face. You can kind of, there's two uh, examples. Uh, the lady, Olivia, the one shows her face, and the other one, she's, like, hiding behind the sign. So for people who don't, you know, want to put their faces out there publicly, you can kind of hide behind the sign and, like, look over the top or something. But you should go and submit a video, uh, um, sorry, a photo. And if you are friends with me on Facebook, you can go check it out, the one that I have, because it's up. Did you say dodo? No. <laughs> no, what did you say? I said you, if you're my friends on Facebook, you can go check it and look it up. But what did you say about Toto? I didn't say anything about Toto. I think you're hearing things. Have you been drinking before the show? So <laughs> What's that? So are you drinking before the show? <laughs> I was. I, we, we drank a whole bottle of red wine just sitting outside listening to the, the frogs and things like that. And, and it's hot down here. It's the south. Oh, my God. Talk about hot. I had a soccer tournament this morning. Dude, I am burnt to a crisp. Like, seriously, I haven't even posted. Yeah, like, Joe is even worse. I feel so bad because he was out there watching. And well, he's Joe like, is a big, like, white boy. Well, not anymore. He is as red as a lobster. <laughs> like, seriously, he was out there all day, and I felt so bad, you know, but I appreciate the support. So it was crazy hot. But now we're all, like, baked. It's funny because I posted my pride photo on Facebook, and one of the first things that somebody said was, wow, boy, you need to start tanning, you know? Because I was like, or they called me Casper or something. And I was like, Aww. after today, you can't call me that anymore. <laughs> but, but, but you live in, like, Pittsburgh or Philadelphia. No, not Pittsburgh. That's what I said. Live east of there. You live in Philadelphia. That's it. Right. That's, that's what I said. I go, I live in PA, not CA. <laughs> Big difference. <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's hot here. I'm, like, I, I'm like, like melting. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and bring on our guest. Uh, okay, yes, let's bring Lauren on. Yes, Lauren, please join us. How are you this evening? Hi, I'm good. I'm, I'm a little nervous, but I'm good. How are you? Oh, don't you be don't nervous. You don't have to be nervous. Okay, that I will be. <laughs> because I yeah. love the sideburns. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Did you hear his little flirty comment earlier, Lauren? I did. I'm very flattered. Thank you. Well, you you should be because I don't give those out often. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're Lauren, it was uh, daddy. What? What'd you say? With the baby you, daddy? You, what? You, 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 you want to be my baby's daddy? <laughs> <laughs> we can try. We can talk about that later. <laughs> okay. Anyway, you're a cat daddy. Yeah, I have a cat. Da- I, I'm the da- the 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 cat's daddy. Yes. The cat's daddy. Okay, so does that make you like into a, I don't know, do you like pussy or something? I, I don't know what that means. Uh, that means you cat, right? It was just kind of like a random um, fact about me to see, you know, if people can maybe relate about something, I guess. Um, okay, like, like a real cat, like feline, not like the other thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like a real okay. four-legged cat. Yeah, okay. I, I have a cat. Okay. So if anybody's listening, I think, Jeremy, you're referring to my description for the show today, I think. Great. Yes, I am, actually. See? Yay. See? I do read things. Yay. Awesome. That's so cool. I'm glad that you brought that up first instead of, like, you know, genital herpes or, you know, something like that. <laughs> oh, I was going to get to that. You know, the, the blistering wounds on the head of the penis. But we'll get there in a minute. How old is your cat, Lauren? Uh, I think he's about four. I got him from Paws, the animal shelter here in Philadelphia, and they said that he, they think he's about three or four, but they're not for sure. And what's his but, yeah. name? Uh, his name, he came pre-named, is McTavish, and I added uh, Meowser, so his name is Meowser McTavish because he talks to me a lot, and it's really Aww. sweet. How cute. Yeah, and he wakes me up at 5.30 every morning, and then I, I go, oh, you're so not cute right now. But yeah. <laughs> 5.30 in the morning, shut up. <laughs> so you were on this logo thing. Yeah, oh, my that. God. It was, it, well, I, I had seen Robert's logo interview, and then I went to check out the other ones, and then Robert had advertised that there was going to be another series and I was, like, really excited. I wanted to be interviewed um, because my dream growing up was to be Oprah. 
until Celine Dion came along, and then I was like, oh, my God, my dream is to be Celine Dion. Um, but still, I was just like, wow, I want to be on TV. So um, granted, it was, you know, on Logo's website, which is close enough. Um, so I kind of I kind of got competitive a little bit. I, uh, I sent the producer an email, and I got a phone call. And, uh, and I actually, in the email, I put everything about me cause, because I was just like, I'm in addiction. I'm in recovery for addiction. Um, I have, uh, you know, I'm like a trauma survivor. I'm this. I'm that. Blah blah blah. Because I wanted them to know everything about me. And if there was something that they didn't want me to talk about, I wanted to know, so that um, if they didn't want me to talk about something, I was going to, you know, kind of say like, then maybe this isn't a good fit because um, I didn't really want to be censored. And the actually, the, the feedback I got was just the opposite. It was just like, hey, can you talk about your addiction in the interview? And I was like, of course. Um, but the question I got asked over the phone was, what kind of service do you do? And I was just like, I couldn't think of anything. And I said, I don't, I don't do any. And then I started to think about it. And I was like, oh, my God, they're, gonna, they're not going to pick me. And then um, I started to think about, you know, I volunteered at the uh, Philly AIDS Thrift in the city, and I'm pretty open about um, being positive to just about anybody who who asks. And I thought maybe that's a form of service. So I called the producer back or emailed them back and said, you know, this is what I do, um, hoping that I would get picked, and I did. So. Well, that's terrific. And, and did you and you interviewed with Angela? Did I who on what? Who, who interviewed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I heard it was Angina. Oh my God! Whenever I hear Angina, I think of vagina. Well, yeah, I think that's the point. Wow. I think just, that is the point. Just, by the way, that's the point. Okay. <laughs> way, I get thrown off. A, I get thrown off a little. I'm like vagina. What? Okay, never mind. Um, yeah, it was it was awesome meeting her. I didn't know. I don't I don't really watch TV, so I didn't know about the RuPaul's Drag Race thing. Okay, and shut when I'm, up. You didn't know. I don't watch TV. I don't have cable. Oh God, Lauren. Yeah, you I'm calling internet, from under you? my rock. What? <laughs> you have internet, don't you? Yeah, I have the internet. Yeah. Did you watch okay. it online? No, I was actually uh, busy watching Brothers and Sisters on ABC.com. I didn't <laughs> <laughs> you get a pass then. So what was it like when you finally met her? When I met her, I saw this beautiful woman, and then I shook her hand, and I was like, oh, my God, man handshake. And it, like, threw me off. I was, like, disoriented for a minute. Um, but she was just, like, really, really welcoming and really nice, and I was so petrified. When I got picked, I was super, super excited for like 15 minutes, and then I proceeded <laughs> to get really scared from the time I found out. After the 15 minutes was over, I was like totally scared from that time up until the interview. I was just like afraid I'm going to like mess up and I'm going to say the wrong thing. So when I got there, um, she was just really nice. Everybody was really down to earth and just really welcoming. Um, the film crew was, they were just, you know, not really nice people. Um, I was really scared and I'm sitting there watching the people before me. I got there early. And um, Angina was kind of like reading the cue cards, and she might have messed up one or two of the lines um, a couple times, or maybe more than a couple times, but I'm not going to say. And (laughs) she was like having to redo it over, and the producer was like really patient with her. And then that made me feel so much better and so much more at ease because I was just like, okay, she's not perfect and I don't have to be perfect either and it's okay. But her hats are perfect. Yeah, they are. So, Lauren, you were were diagnosed three and a half years ago. Um, When when you were first diagnosed, what were the thoughts that kind of went through your head? Because, you know, it's different for everybody. Um, It's somewhat similar, you know what I mean, but we go through the process you know, and we accept it and we move on. And you actually, you know, for me, it's amazing to see you because to me it was like, you know, you were, you were, you were out from what I've seen, but now that this, this logo video came out, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's amazing, and I'm very proud of you, and I think that, it, that your story was so touching. You know, I think most 
Yeah, what was it like? Tell us what it was like for you when you were diagnosed, and then I'll go on and talk a little bit about how when you filmed the video, you, your parents didn't know yet that you were positive and, and how that affected you. Yeah, thank you very much for your words, your kind words. I really appreciate that. Um, being an addict, I don't think I was really aware of what I was feeling at the time. Um, I think if I thought about it, I was probably really, really frightened. Uh, I was unemployed at the time, and I was just starting, like, a new job, um, like, that that Monday, I found out like on a Thursday, like I went to my doctor and he took my blood and said, oh, you have this rash and you have this fever and just we're at the emergency room. Um, you probably have HIV, but, you know, I'm not totally certain, so let's draw your blood and come back Monday. And I had like an anxiety attack on the phone with my sister. Um, I had to like hang up. Uh, I was just a mess. It was really, really scary. I felt really alone at the time. And then that Monday, I went to start this new job. Um, I was just really uh, disoriented, really anxious. I couldn't even talk. Uh, thank God, I'd, all I had to do was just sit there and like watch these videos. And so I went to my doctor that night, and he said, your results came back positive. And he's a really compassionate person. He uh, he was. I, I would. I would. Couldn't have picked a more compassionate person to have to tell me that I'm positive. Uh, what I, I think was missing was that there wasn't really any sort of like conversation about. Here's uh, some resources and people you can talk to that are, that, you know, can answer your questions or just tell you you're going to be okay. I think that was kind of missing, and I didn't really know to ask. Uh, I think if if I could change anything, I think that I would ask for, um, I wish that someone had um, talked to me as soon as I found out about, you know, who was positive too, who could say, hey, you're going to be okay. So I think now that I'm finally dealing with having HIV, that's that was kind of the message that I wanted to send to other people, like, you know, you're going to be okay. Now, when you were diagnosed, were you living in Philly? Because I know you, like, you were, you just recently moved to the, to the Philadelphia area not too long ago. Were you in Philly when you were diagnosed, or were you living somewhere else? Uh, no, I was actually living in Center City, Philly. Um, I've lived in the city since, like, 2000, and then before that I lived in the suburbs, and I moved to the suburbs from Iowa originally. That's where I grew up. Now, living in the city, do you find the resources, that. like, the resources are like real accessible to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there there's just a ton of resources apparently that I'm I'm just finding out. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, there's this HIV AIDS support group. Um, there's this place called the Mazzoni Center in uh, in the city. And interestingly, I was at uh, the support group this past Tuesday. Um, it's every Tuesday at uh, 6:30 at the Mazzoni Center, and they had a, uh, like a little pamphlet they passed out of available resources in Philadelphia, and PAZIM was one of the, your website was one of the, the available resources, oh, cool. which I thought was really awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's terrific. Yeah. Yeah, I love the Mazzoni Center. They did that, um, Jeremy, you remember uh, before we talked about uh, the Get Real Philly story that I submitted? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When they printed that, they're kind of in, like in collaboration with Get Real Philly, so that's kind mm -hmm. of... You know how it all works that's out. Cool. That's awesome. That's very cool. So, so um, we, we, you, you've gotten the whole HIV diagnosis, and then I'm reading, and we already glossed over it. This whole herpes thing. What? Which was worse, the herpes or the HIV diagnosis? I gotta tell you, the stigma with genital herpes, they think, is worse. Um, I feel ashamed to tell people about that, and that's why I made myself put that in my description because I have a, some work to do with mm -hmm. my own internal stigma stuff. Like I saw this movie, this like made-for-TV movie when I was like eight years old, and it was about these people who got genital herpes, and I don't know what the point of the story was. It was like a almost like lifetime made-for-TV movie. It was like really awful, and it, all it did was it show these people. Special. 
So just like yeah. that. It was like these people were getting, these teenagers were getting genital herpes, and then they were like outcasts. And I didn't get what the point was. I think it was to draw awareness around it, but it planted the seed of like, if I get it, there's you know something wrong with me or something. So thankfully, I guess as a result of, unfortunately, people were dying from HIV AIDS, they poured all this money on awareness. And the same, I don't think, happens as much for genital herpes. Um, people don't really talk about it as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so I just found out about, like, maybe between six and nine months ago. Um, I didn't even know that I had it because I haven't ever had an outbreak. My doctor was just like, hey, I've never done... Yeah. Yeah, he did a blood test. Yeah, so... Yeah. Most people have... Um, most people have... What is it? Herpes. Something. It's the, the, the oral, you know, the, the one on the mouth, the, the cold sore. Mm-hmm. And are, did he put you on anything, like a, another antiviral? Uh, he had said that if I wanted to, I could, uh, like, take a low dosage of, like, Famvir, um, which would prevent outbreaks, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Like when I've well, had the shingles like maybe five or six times and I'll, I would take a higher dosage of Vampir. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. You've had them yeah. five or six times? No, I've had shingles like five or six times. Oh, there are taken. Yeah, I've taken Vampir for that. Um, uh, okay, again, I'm going to ask the question. You've had the shingles five or six times? Uh-huh, sure. Oh, my. Yeah, it, ca- it can come back. <laughs> well, I yeah, know they can come, come back. back. It's just I've had them once, and, and I have to tell you, they were the worst thing I've ever had in my life, and you yeah. had them five or six times? The, it's it's pretty awful doc- sometimes, yeah. It, it is. I, I called my doctor and said, give me something to prevent this. So now I take Valtrex, the one gram Valtrex yeah. every day. Yeah. And yeah, I have that that in like six years. Yeah, that's really after like Valtrex or Famvir. Um, a low dosage twice a day um, prevents outbreaks of genital herpes, apparently, which also um, shingles apparently is a form of herpes too. So it's a, it's, yep. uh, double, double well. It's a double but apparently line. though, yeah, I got shingles so many times. Like it would basically it would start at the base of my spine. Uh-huh. So I learned to eventually just keep. Um, an extra supply of the fam beer at home, and whenever it would start to start to kind of itch, I knew that that was the beginning of the outbreak. And if you catch it really, really soon, it's like nothing. It's like there's no pain. There's it's just like you know so much better. Lauren, <laughs> oh my yeah. god, <laughs> that's that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, shingles are a bitch. <laughs> they they, they are, are awful. Oh my God! I had them where they went all the way around my midsection. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, horrible. I couldn't wear a shirt, and and believe me, you don't want to see me without a shirt on. But <laughs> I, I couldn't wear a shirt for almost a week because it would hurt so bad. I couldn't leave. Why don't we want to see you without a shirt? Now, how am I going to be your baby daddy if I can't see you without a shirt? Come on. That's why they have lights, and, and we'll do it in the closet. But anyway. <laughs> Nice. Oh, God. You you have to feel your way around. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's so funny. Lauren, what made you go and do this HIV and me video with with Logo and Angina when you weren't out to your parents? What kind of, like, sparked that interest in you to go out there and do that? You know what I mean? Because you didn't, your parents didn't know when you filmed it and you talk about it in the video. And that was the most touching mm-hmm. part of the video for me, you know what I mean? Because it was so real and you could just see the emotion. And I talked mm-hmm. to Adam and he said, everybody, <laughs> by the time you were done, everybody had a tear in their eye in the room when oh. they were filming your video. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Um, yeah, Adam was like um, totally supportive throughout the whole process from, you know, the email back and forth to the phone call to just, being there, who's just really patient and um, totally made the experience um, so much more comfortable. 
Um, and I, I just before I forget to say though, I, I felt kind of safe being there. Like I kind of, maybe that's why I allowed myself to cry is that having seen your video and the other videos, like I could trust, like they weren't going to kind of exploit me. It was just to kind of tell my story in a compassionate sort of way. So when I got to that part, um, I kind of said to myself it was okay if I wanted to cry, I was going to let myself do it. And I kind of wanted to cry on, in a way because I wanted peop- I wanted to be real. And actually having HIV AIDS isn't like a party. It's not like this really awesome experience. It's kind of like it's stress. And it can be sad and painful and you know, rejection. People don't want to date you sometimes and stuff like that. So I wanted to kind of convey that it's not always a happy thing to, you know, to have. So I guess I I was open to everybody. I kept telling myself, like, I'm not going to tell my parents because they already worry about me. I don't live in Iowa. I live in this big city, and they think I'm going to get shot and murdered, and they think all these things about cities and um, <laughs> that aren't true. Um, so... I what's what prompted it was I joined Facebook and then I became friends with some cousins that I have back in Iowa and I was out to them and they were like everybody's been so supportive it's it's actually kind of shocking me like I keep waiting for for one person to just be really negative and nobody's been negative which I'm I'm really um um very heartened by and so I was coming out to my cousins and I thought wow that would really suck if my cousin told my mom that I was positive and she had to find out that way. So that's why I wanted to tell her. Um, and actually it kind of was a catalyst doing the video, <clears throat> excuse me, because if, if I had waited till I was ready, like I never would have told my parents. I was like so afraid. So what was your reaction when you told them? Uh, I, well, I had this, like, naive idea that I would just, you know, mail them the video and just be like, here, watch this. And I told my doctor that, and he was like, maybe that's not such a good idea. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, that would kind of suck being the parent. So I did the interview. I called them the next day, uh, Sunday night. I called my mom. She was at work. Um, and she does this like security guard thing at this um, this manufacturing company, and she, there's like not a lot to do, so it was the perfect time to to call her because she had um, my full I had her like full attention, and I actually started crying, um, and she was like telling me not to cry. <laughs> so, so and I started to cry because I said to her, <clears throat> I thought. In the small town where she lives, I thought, like, you know, if somebody sees this and they're, like, mean to her, I just apologize to her in advance. Like, if that ever happens, I'm really sorry. And, like, the producer pointed out to me, I was telling him that later, he goes, uh, Lauren, this isn't American Idol. <laughs> like, not the whole world is going to see this video. So that was kind of funny. But she was, she was just really... Um, she actually surprised me. She was just kind of like really open and she was like, what is HIV? And I know that she, she's a really smart woman and I know that she knows kind of what it is, but she was just kind of like, from your perspective, like tell me what it is. And so I told her like, you know, about the, like you check your blood and you check to see how many white blood cells you have and, you know, below 200 is like AIDS. And I told her I usually have above 600 or so. So I told her I was fine and um, taking medication and I'm going to be okay and all that other stuff. So it went really well. I haven't actually talked directly to my dad, so I still have yet to do that. But I talked to my mom later. She told him. um, He was just like, you know, he loves me no matter what. And uh, she said that he's, um, after they saw the video and I sent them a picture, uh, a bunch of pictures because they hadn't seen me for a while, um, she said that my dad would say, that he missed hearing the sound of my voice, which was really cool. So, oh, yeah, that makes me almost want to cry. Almost, <laughs> almost want to cry. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, 
so what now? I mean, you've done this video. You're you're coming out to your family slowly, which mm-hmm. which I think is I think is smart, quite honestly. What about you mm-hmm. though? What what are you? Where are you at with it? Yeah, I'm still like in the early stages. I think of dealing with it, even though I've only had. I mean, I've I've had it for like three and a half years. I've only started to just kind of like want to dive into this thing, like starting to go to the whole HIV AIDS support group where all we talk about is like stuff surrounding HIV AIDS. The first night I went, I was so overwhelmed. I left. It's like an hour and a half long. I left and I was just like, oh my God, I can't do that ever again because all we did was talk about HIV AIDS for like an hour and a half. Oh my God, it was so overwhelming. But then I went back and um, it's been really helpful for me. Good. Good. Are are you seeing? Are you only in a support group? Or are you also seeing somebody one on one? I do have I do have uh, individual therapy. Um, I'm in recovery, so I go to uh, outpatient rehab. It's like a group therapy thing, um, twice a week. And I can talk about anything there, like HIV, AIDS, or addiction, or whatever. You know, it's plug me. So let, let's talk about that elephant in the room. Let's talk about the addiction for a minute. Okay. What were you addicted to, and or what are you addicted to, and and how did how do you think that addiction possibly led into your HIV diagnosis, if at all? I would say that, that I'm surprised that I wasn't um, diagnosed as positive or I didn't get HIV sooner because I was doing so many unprotected, risky sexual things. Um, starting in my early 20s. Um, so I'm very thankful that I didn't get it until later, um, you know, when the medications are, you know, getting better and better, and, and that's pretty cool. Um, I went to, I started going to 12-step meetings for crystal meth and crack uh, addiction, and then about two to three years into it, I kind of had this thought that maybe I'm really addicted to sex, because that's what always gets me into um, doing drugs. It's usually I'm hooking up with somebody who's getting high. And I think I'm actually a drug addict who, or not a drug addict, I think I'm actually like, I was just thinking about this before the call, I think I'm actually like a um, sex and love addict who when I, you know, relapse with that, I break out in crystal meth. Like I'm allergic to it or something. So, right. Yeah. And I think that in, we've got somebody who's jealous of you in 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 the in the in the chat room. Really? About what? Um, you, you take all of the material. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's Mark S. King. He's actually going to be on the show with us next week, Jeremy. Um, he does uh, blogs for the body. And, um, I know. I, I know so, who he is. No, I'm letting everyone else know who's oh, listening okay. and letting Lauren know. Um, uh, his blog is called My Fabulous Disease, and he was on before, and he's going to come um, back on uh, next Sunday and, and, and talk about it. And he is so, similar to your story. It's, okay. You know, so, so tell me, you know, because I, I, I think that there's a lot to be talked about, you know, especially with addiction. Um, mm-hmm. And and you know, meth. Well, let, let's just put it. Let, let's put it out there, right? Meth is. I, I think when when you are on meth, when you're under the influence, I should say, you, you are willing to open up and do all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So, do you are do you still have do you, do you battle it ever all the time, or does it come and go, or I'm sorry, do do I battle with, what did you say? Are you battling with, you know, know, God, I would love to get high right now, or um, does it come and go? Is it constant? Because, you know, some of us haven't gone, haven't been through that, Mm -hmm. right? So um, I, I, I can honestly tell you, Lauren, that I don't know. I don't understand it. Because I've never been there. Mm-hmm. 
I haven't been where you are. So is, is it does it come and go? Is it constant? Um, do you so so what is what does all of that mean to you? Um, some thoughts that pop into my head as you're talking are that typically I don't crave crystal mass. Um, I do have like seven days of clean time from it because I relapsed about a week ago. Um, but what led me to relapsing was the whole, you know, getting onto a website to hook up with people and then looking for people who are getting high. Um, I do take Wellbutrin for chronic depression. And I was reading that in San Francisco they were doing some studies where they were trying to treat um, the cravings of crystal meth with Wellbutrin, and apparently, like, that helps people not crave it as much. And I just happened to, like, already be on it, so I don't really get the cravings, which is cool. Um, I tend to, my, my thing tends to be being, like, a trauma survivor. Um, I struggle with reaching out to people and trusting people and asking people for help. So that's my problem. When, some, when stuff is going wrong, I turn to my old coping mechanism sometimes of using or act, acting out with sex. Um, so that's my deal. No, that makes so, totally sense. How long can, can have I you ask, been... Oh, I'm sorry. No, I just wanted to see how long have you been in the recovery rooms, you know what I mean, going to meetings and things like that? Um, probably about, I think it's been since uh, April 2005. Or no, uh, that's, that's when I first started using drugs, April 2005. My first meeting was like October 2005, okay. so almost about four and a half to five years. So, and, and we, we've been talking about trauma. Mm-hmm. Can, are you comfortable about talking about the trauma that you experienced? Or, it, it, and it's not. That, that's totally cool. Yeah, um, sure. It, yeah, the trauma that I experienced growing up was just like uh, my dad is an alcoholic, um, mm-hmm. My mom tended to, she could be verbally abusive, um, so there was that whole dynamic. Um, so that's where my trauma stems from. Okay. So you had both physical and, men, and, and, and mental trauma, emotional trauma. Uh, no, it was kind of like verbal abuse and emotional abuse. Uh-huh. I wasn't really, I wasn't being physically abused, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, well that's, that's good. <laughs> but mm-hmm. what I want our listeners to understand is that trauma... No matter, because trauma, when, when somebody says trauma, uh, uh, automatically I think a lot of our minds go to physical trauma. Right. Being okay. um, beaten, being, um, you know, in, in like a really bad car accident, trauma. Something that is physically aware, that you're physically aware of, that, that you've been, you know, you have a bruised eye or a black eye or, or you have a gash in your side. What I I want our listeners to understand is that trauma isn't just something physical, something that you can see. Trauma is oftentimes emotional. It's it's it is um, invisible. It's kind of like HIV. And you see how I bring all this back. See how that works. It's it's a lot like HIV because HIV is, is something that you can't see but it's affecting you every day. And, and no matter it, what kind of trauma you've experienced, the, the HIV is very, very similar. And, 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 I, and I hope that the listeners, our listeners are, are listening to this and, and understanding that because I don't want folks to make any kinds of judgment about what trauma really means because physical, physical abuse and, and verbal abuse are just as equally as destructive. So that's all I wanted to say. Anyway, mm-hmm. moving on. Yeah, I agree. And and the thing about emotional abuse is that there's no scar. And what I did in my romantic relationships, like when I was 19, the first person I got into a relationship with, it was like three and a half years long, uh, he was verbally abusive, and I kept repeating that dynamic. And later, I would kind of—I I used to kind of joke, or not really joke, but just kind of say to people, like, "I wish that he would have hit me, so that there would have been a bruise." Because when it's emotional or, or verbal abuse, there's always that, like, "Did it really happen?" kind of doubt. 
Uh, I know it really happened, but part of my brain goes, well, did it really happen? Kind of thing. Um, what I try like, to tell people, not a visual. yeah, there's not like that that broken bone or whatever. So exactly. it's just as it's just as bad though. Uh, one thing that I I wanted to say though too is one way that I kind of describe it to people is I say, you know how like the person goes to Vietnam or they go to the Gulf War and they come home and they hear they hear like a bang noise, like a car backfiring or, or something, yeah. or fireworks, and yep. they, you know, duck down on the floor and they think they're in Vietnam or something all over yep. again. Like, that's me, but I didn't get that from going to a war. I got that from, like, some parents were tucking their kids in at night. My parents were coming home, like, my dad would come home drunk and traumatize me and, you know, stuff like that. And the thing is, I learn what I'm learning in therapy is that I'm not like I don't have a problem with my parents uh, with who they are today. What I have to heal from is the memories of what I had, uh, what happened growing up, um, and that my parents aren't those same people. They're not those same scary people. Like they can't hurt me. Like somebody, uh, my therapist told me, nobody can hurt me the way that they did. Not even them today, because they're not the same people. Like my mom is just this old fragile woman. I could totally like just push her over and break her hip, you know. <laughs> it's like it's like she can't hurt me. It's it's so that allows me to reach out and have a relationship with them now. Yep, I think that and and, awesome. and I, I think you have a great therapist, quite honestly, that understands that you know mm-hmm. we allow the people in in my therapist and I have talked about this a lot is that a lot of times we allow the people in our lives to hurt us. Yeah, we we allow it, and um, and 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 I'm not, and, and sometimes we're not aware that we're allowing it, right? Sometimes we mm-hmm. let it happen because we, because there's that whole dynamic of well, they're the parent, I'm the child, they're allowed to do this, right? You know, and 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 we're not yeah. here to get into all of that, but. But that, that's a whole other show. <laughs> well, it's interesting to talk about that, though, because yeah. under, like, when I go to meetings for sex and, sex and love addiction, um, one time one of the meetings um, focused on trauma, and then everybody started talking about just how trauma affected their life in some way. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that every single person who was in that room had some sort of trauma in their history and I got to tell you that's that was the reason that was like the number one reason why I would act out with sex and why I would get high and that's what led to you know that's that played a, a huge role in why I have HIV today so it's worth talking about absolutely yeah I totally I agree think, oh I'm sorry no, no, Laura, one of the things I did want to say is, you know, when I, I went and I, I listened to your, your video again today before the show, and one of the things that you mentioned in there is that you would um, use phone lines or, or Internet to, to hook up with people anonymously and things like that. And I can, like, really relate to that because that was, you know, the way I was, you know, eight years ago, you, you know, going to those outlets. And it seems even growing up when I was in high school, they, like AOL, when AOL first came out, like, you know, I went into the chat rooms, and it seems like the, 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 the youth, the gay youth today, they don't really have those outlets like they should have, where the only outlet when you're gay, if you aren't out, you're a kid, you can only go online. Or, oh, or you, good Lord. Wait, 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 hold on. <laughs> this is where the generation gap comes in, right? Because I used to go to parks. I used to go to... Um, uh, video arcades online wasn't available to me until <laughs> it was late 90s, almost 2000. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, you know, I mean, we, frankly, I think online is much, much safer than it is to go to some secluded park someplace where you have no idea if somebody's actually going to bash in your head. The issue I was bringing up about the online yeah. is when you're online and, and, and kids are going on, you know, you're young and trying to find other gay people to talk to, everybody online usually when you go and join these sites, they're looking to hook up. You know what I mean? And a lot of these, 
And a lot of these older gentlemen take advantage of young kids, you know, because it's happened to me. Wait, 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 Robert, 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 Robert. You can't just say that. I can say it because it's happened to me. But you you, you can't just, you, you can't just, Say you know older gentlemen. No, I said all these older gentlemen. But I don't want to give the impression, you know, to to our listeners that there's just a bunch of predators out there because you know. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes there there are, (laughs) but but I just I I want to put out the fact that you know people are looking for all kinds of different things and. Um, people are going to go and search out and seek out what it is they are wanting at the time. And if and, and it, and it takes two to do that or more. <laughs> um, but, you know, if, if you aren't in those websites, they're not going to find you. But if you're in those websites and you're in those chat rooms or you're in the back room of some bar and you're looking for something, you're putting something out there to be found. So there's there's some level of 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 you know personal responsibility there. I, I couldn't imagine placing all of the responsibility on that other person. It's I was out there looking for something too, and um, and, and and I found exactly what I was looking for. Now, whether or not the person that I was hooking up with was going to be honest with me or if they were going to somehow think that they were going to put my best interests in front of theirs, not going to happen. So, you know, these are things that we think about after it's all happened. Does that make sense? Yeah, but my point was just that there needs to be a better outlet for the gay youth to go to instead of online. That is my point. You're absolutely because when you, right. There, there you know what I mean? There's not a lot of it. And and being that being the only resource for you, go or going to a park, like you said, being the only resource for you to connect to other gay people because you don't know other gay people, you know what I mean? It really puts you in bad situations. And I just wish that there was more of a, well, a resource uh, it, for people. It, and don't you think, and I know we're getting a little off topic, but I, I just, I'm going to throw this out there because we're going down this path, is, is it because that growing up and being gay, we've all been told that it's a dirty, dark thing, so you have to go to these dark back places to find it? Do you think there's some, some kind of social norm there that's pushing us into the into the dark, into the back alleys? Uh, I'm going to say, I, I'm going to answer just from, from my own personal experience that that's not the reason why why I go to the, the bookstores and stuff. Um, my, my kind of belief or philosophy is um, if you don't like that I'm gay, that's not my problem. Um, I'm not going to go hide, you know, and go to, to a bookstore to have sex so that I can hide so that maybe you'll approve of me or something. My thing is I want, like, I, sometimes I get really lonely and instead of, like, doing the healthy thing, like, people, you know, date and they get to know each other and then they have sex, like, I don't have the skills. Like, I don't really know. Like, I'm starting to slowly learn how to um, function in healthy friendships which will mm-hmm. eventually translate into healthy romantic relationships. But mm-hmm. my th- all I knew to do was to cope with being lonely was either go to a, an adult bookstore and get my like physical needs met that way. But I found that that wasn't what I really wanted. Like I would go and hook up with like people. And because I had the addiction component, I would hook up with way more people than I than I wanted to and I would just feel like gross about myself and just mm-hmm. feel lonely and even lonelier than when, when I got there and go home and just feel like kind of empty. Like that's yeah, because you're why going I was out, you're looking for that you you're looking for a connection, a personal connection mm-hmm. on some intimate level. Yeah. And it, being addicted, you don't get it, so you go looking to the next person for it. And mm-hmm. then the next yeah. and then the next. 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and you end up eventually not getting there and then going home and feeling empty. Absolutely. And then the cycle, and then the cycle repeats. Yeah, and the thing is, it doesn't it doesn't have to repeat if I'm I'm from if I start to become aware of it, like I don't have to repeat yeah. that. And I gotta tell you, the thing that's helped me the most in recovery is just focusing on friendships and building those relationships. Like that's when I had seven months of clean time um, back in the end of 2009, and that's a large part of how I got there was focusing on that. And well, I gotta I tell you, like- from from all the things that I've done and all the things I've ever been through, what one thing I've learned is just not to beat myself up. Like I had a sponsor who taught me there's nothing worth feeling ashamed about, and it's so true. You know, do you have a sponsor still? What's that? I said, do you have a sponsor still? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I actually uh, just had a temporary sponsor last night. Um, so yeah, I do. Good. That's awesome. Today, yeah. I, I think I think it's great because and, and personally I'm not and, and this is my own opinion and this is not an opinion expressed by Pause I Am or Blog Up Blog Talk Radio or NBC <laughs> for that matter. <laughs> I, I'm I, I'm not a big I I'm not a big supporter of twelve step programs. Never have been. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 I'll tell you why it is. My grandfather was an alcoholic. I had a couple, and a couple of my uncles were alcoholics. They would go to their program. They would go in. They would talk, yada, yada, yada. But it didn't seem to solve the issue. I, I understand several of the steps, right? You know, what is it? The, um, well, I think it really you depends acknowledge on the person. It, it, mm-hmm. it does. It, it does. And it, it's... It was the acknowledgement, it was the the forgiveness, the asking of forgiveness in the whole nine yards. It was the idea of giving it up to a higher power that got me. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what got me about twelve step programs. I think they all worked all up until mm-hmm. aha, I don't have to take responsibility for my actions. Higher power. <laughs> um <laughs> And that's what really got me, I, because my therapist and I, we talk about this quite a bit, actually. I'll be sitting in her office, and it's like, damn it, I made the choices. Nobody made those choices but me. Sure. You know, and, and, and I have to live with the choices. And and so it, I try to break it down even to be more, you know, elementary than than the 12 steps. Because, and also what I want to say in 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 this in this whole rant is that twelve step mm-hmm. programs are extremely beneficial for those who they will work for. I, I do want to mm-hmm. say that. If you think they're working for you, go for it. Do not listen to Jeremy because he really has no clue. But, <laughs> they but, only work if you work it. You know what I mean? That's it, one of the things that they say there. And, and you know what I mean? I I've never believed in God. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think That's you need okay. to believe in God. That's why they call well, it a higher power, whatever yeah, you believe. I don't in. believe. I don't believe in all of that, right? You think you I just, believe that? I, I what I believe is that we're all responsible for our own selves. That, and and you know, honestly, I think a great discussion on another show would be about spiritual spirituality and what other people do, because I'm completely agnostic, almost to the point of atheism. So, <laughs> yeah, I think though that the point the point is that you know they, there are actually atheists who use twelve step programs yep. and they they successfully stay clean. Um, when I was listening to your interpretation of how where the higher power comes in, I think my point of view is a little bit different. Like I see it as mm-hmm. as what they teach me is. Um, Fundamentally, I can't get clean and sober on my own. And the point of the higher power idea isn't to believe in Jesus, or I jokingly call it Jesus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I heard that one time. And, and I'm being my educated, head, by the way. I, I, I'm being educated in the in the chat room because I, I think this is this yeah. is extremely meaningful for people to listen to and to and, and especially to read because. 
I think I think therapy is so important. Um, mm-hmm. Again, the twelve step. I'm still a little skeptical about it. Right. Sure. So, that's okay. Yeah. And, and but I'm not going to knock it for anybody. No, there are some things that make people want to run the other direction, like the whole God thing, and it's more along mm-hmm. the lines of just admitting that I can't do this by myself, but that maybe there's something outside of me that can help me, and that might be a group of, that might be, the power may be a group of people sitting in the same room all trying to get healthy, like that's a powerful force. Um, right. That could be people, some people's higher power. Some people joke and say, oh, oh, it could be a doorknob or a chair, like that's kind of silly, but no, what reason no, is no, what You're I was going to say is right. that we can we could talk more about, you know, the 12 steps and all that next week when we have Mark on because I did yeah. want to mm-hmm. um, mention a few things. I know, well, I had the, the privilege of meeting you uh, a couple weeks ago. We went down and met Sean Decker together in the city, and it was an absolute pleasure, you know, to finally meet you face-to-face. Like you said, now we're, yeah, you know, you we're not just photos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you too. Thank I you. have some photos for you. I'll send those to your personal account. <laughs> That's funny. You know, one of the things in the video I think that really, you know, I could relate to besides the, you know, the Internet and, and the phone lines and, and the recovery part of it, but the point that you said that you thought you were Superman at one point. And that's, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that I said in, in um, you know, in my interview too with Angina was that, you know, we had that Superman that is never going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, saying that out loud, because a lot of youth now or a lot of people out there think that they are invisible to HIV. And I think, you know, when people talk about it more, it just needs to get out there. And, like, the other thing that you said is when you talk about it, like you felt it was your turn to step up. And to me, that is manhood. That is, like, you know, you being who you're supposed to be and and doing it. And I applaud you for for going out there and, and like I said, sharing your story like that. Then, mm-hmm. then we should all have bar mitzvahs. <laughs> that's, that's manhood. That's getting into manhood. But that's a good point, though. Like, like I, it's you know, you might look at me and be like, oh, look at Lauren. He went on Logo and he told the whole world that he has HIV. I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't, hadn't have had those role models that came before me. So I owe a lot of being able to speak up to people like you, Robert, for going on first and doing the whole logo thing, and then all the people who came before me in recovery who sat in meetings and said, hey, I'm positive, and blah, blah, blah. So I owe a lot of that to that. So thank you. So, I, I, you know, Lauren, I, I think we, we've gone through almost, we've gone through the hour. Yeah. And I was all nervous. About and, and what? You shouldn't nothing. have been because it's about nothing. Exactly. And you have come on this show. You were nervous. You were a little scared. But I have to tell you that at the end of the 60 minutes, I see a transformation uh, uh, in you. And I'm not sitting with you, but I'm hearing you. I'm listening. And it's every minute that you get closer and every minute that you are talking about it, you're getting stronger. You're owning it, and you're taking a control. And I, and I just want to commend you for that. So congratulations. Thank you, Jeremy. Think you're very welcome. You're very welcome. <laughs> you know, Jeremy, I know you said you didn't get um, a chance to watch the video, but the best part for me, Lauren, was when you said every day you give yourself a hug and look at yourself in the mirror and say that you love yourself. And that yeah. is very powerful. You know what I mean? And I think that's a great point that you bring up that really people who are HIV positive, they don't seem to love themselves. And I think mm-hmm. it's, it's just great. Thank well, you. And I, good. yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I have, you know, sometimes I have days where I have to look in the mirror and give myself a hug like six or seven or eight times. Um, so sometimes once isn't enough. <laughs> but yeah. You know, and I think this goes with all of us who happen to be dealing with HIV and, and, and other issues because, you know, it's not just HIV and, and herpes for you and, and addiction. I have HIV and hepatitis C. So, you know, I've got a couple of other things going on over here. <laughs> it's so it's, I have to be careful about the wine I drink, any kind of alcohol and all that jazz because, you know, it's, I enjoy those things. 
but I, we are I, I winding down. We are winding down. And we I'm are winding down. Point. I'm getting to my so, point. Um, but uh, it's, I, I think it's quite refreshing to have Lauren on who is able to talk about what's going on in his life and, and really eloquently um, speak to our listeners and speak to everybody who's listening because I think we can all relate. So thank you, Lauren. Yes, You're Lauren, welcome. Thank, thank you. you. It was an so honor to be here. here. Thank you. you. Have a great night. You too. And don't forget Thanks, to join us, uh, me and Jeremy next week when we speak to Mark S. King. And you can find information on Mark at MarkSKing.com. And Jeremy, you can find information at PositivelySpeaking.com. And more information on me and the radio show at PauseIM.com. Jeremy, have a great night. Lauren, have a great night. And thank you guys all for tuning in. Everybody have a wonderful and safe Memorial Day tomorrow. Love you all. Mwah. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.